off to a bit of a slow start today how's the audio i can get a thumbs up from everyone or thumbs down if we have an echo all right cool i'm gonna go ahead then here oh thumbs down all right sad face how is it now thumbs up or thumbs down all right cool great all right cool well thanks everyone for coming in today i'm pretty stoked about this one I uh, I love talking about this topic, and um, I think all of you guys know that because you're all, by this point, probably quite familiar with tokenomics. And today, we're going to be talking about the tokenomics trilemma. This is the trade-offs. This describes the trade-offs between the three principles of tokenomics, and those are protocol utility, value capture, and economic security. And I want to go into a bit of how the process of of coming up with these things and and sort of what that was like for me. So uh, I think a lot of you know this, but I was writing on eatsleepcrypto.com for uh, that was four years before I started to write about tokenomics, maybe three or four years. And um, at the outset of that, I, I started to think about you know how how we can describe this. Um, system of of designing and, and financially engineering value into a token and through that, that I, I wanted to, to I'm get getting more here. terrible elon has completely ruined this app um okay so uh, i wanted to go into a little bit of a background on how i came up with these principles and and give you some insight into that so starting around 2020 I was writing about what I called token engineering or token architecture or something. Might have used the word tokenomics, but um, in that process, I really wanted to find something that was uh, a concise framework. And and in consulting, there's this this idea of MECE, M E C E, mutually exclusive and completely exhaustive. So this is like my gold standard for anything um, that I'm creating and like any kind of uh, framework that I'm building out. It's got to be mutually exclusive. So all of the things are, are distinct from one another and there have to be, it has to encompass the framework has to encompass all of the elements of that, um, you know, whatever this discipline is. And in this case, it's tokenomics and the principles of demand side tokenomics. So the tokenomics trilemma describes the trade-off between these three principles. And that's what I want to talk about today. And we're going to give some specific examples. I also want to remind you guys that this is an AMA. So if you guys have any questions, you can raise your hands or you can post them in the comments. I would like today to be a little more of a discussion. I've invited a lot of you because we're personally connected already. And I think you'd 
be able to just contribute to this discussion, whether that's in asking a question that you're genuinely curious about or, um, you know, giving some insight into protocols that you've seen that have trade-offs in their tokenomics. So without further ado, I'll start by talking about the three principles. So describing these three principles, right? We've talked about these before, but the principles of tokenomics are protocol utility, uh, value capture, and economic security. So the first one, protocol utility. This is what your protocol does for your users. And there are multiple groups of users, right? There's not just like one monolithic group of people that come to your app and do one thing. There's probably a bunch of different groups of users. And these are kind of like market segments, but they're also different types of participants in your protocol. So for example, we have in a, in a borrowing and lending market, you have borrowers and lenders, and they are doing distinct things. So like on Aave, borrowers, people that want to borrow, they're going to borrow the USDC or Bitcoin or whatever it is. And then you have people that are supplying that as collateral. And those two people are interested in different things. The borrowers are going to be um, interested in, in whatever they're using the collateral for. But the lenders are purely what I call mercenary users. They're just there for the returns. They're not trying, usually not trying to do anything outside of get yields. Same with, in a lot of lending protocols, the people that are liquidating. So like the keepers of protocols, these people that are buying up the collateral in, in Aave in case it drops below the required loan to value ratio. So Aave works with an over-collateralization system like most things in DeFi. And if your loan gets too far or too close to its, uh, if your collateral gets too close to your loan value, then you can be liquidated. And in this case, the keepers as well are mercenary users. And this is a really important thing that I'm going to, we're going to talk about later, but I want to give you guys a full view of protocol utility. So this is the first principle of tokenomics. And the reason it's the first is because you, you start with what does our protocol do and how do we create value? How do we provide value? So, um, you know, this distinction between creating value and capturing or accruing value is the next principle. So value capture, second principle of tokenomics. Um, value capture is a term used in venture capital. Peter Thiel popularized this in zero to one. The idea that he puts out is your business can be very valuable without actually accruing a lot of value to you. So you can have a business with a, a large revenue, large annual revenue, but that business might not itself be very profitable. And all else equal, you should prefer to have a profitable monopoly. This is one of Thiel's conclusions and one of his main things. And so in 2021, I adapted this to tokenomics and wrote an article that you can find on Eat Sleep Crypto called Principles of Tokenomics or Tokenomics 101 Value Capture. I think it's also republished on Token Dynamics right now. But um, so this concept, value capture, the idea is you've created a lot of value because your protocol has utility. Now you want to accrue some of that value to a token. And so when we're looking at these check boxes or these this list of short list of steps on how to design a valuable token we're thinking first about what value are we providing to users and then we're saying what value are we able to capture 
from this value that we've created and how do we do that? So the second principle of tokenomics is concerned with how we're accruing value to a token in a way that doesn't detract from the user experience and doesn't compromise the economic security of the protocol. And this is the third thing. And this is, you know, that is the essence of some of the trade-offs we're going to be talking about today is the trade-offs between value capture, the value you're capturing or accruing to your token and the utility of your protocol. And then also the trade-offs between value capture and economic security, this third principle. So economic security is distinct from technical security in that technical security is a lack of bugs in the code. Economic security is the lack of bugs in the incentives. So your system needs to be designed so that the incentives of all participants are aligned and that one group of participants can't act against another group of stakeholders like the users of the protocol in the case where somebody drains a DAO because they have a majority of the governance tokens because and that was officially allowed by the protocol but maybe not a smart design choice or they are acting uh, you know one group of users is um, earning on you know at the expense of another group so in a lending market that might look like bad debt that's accruing to the lenders uh, because of one borrower. So this would be a you know Ave's bad debt problem in the mango markets exploit that we saw last year, that other the lending market or the lending feature of this perpetual market was an example of an economic exploit. So um, if you guys want to remind me to give examples, I will do that because I tend to get lost in the theory. But I want to be a lot more practical. And if you guys have any questions, again, just post them in the comments or raise your hand. So economic exploits. Another example, the most famous example, and I think the most uh, important example was Terra. So everything in the Luna collapse was technically secure, but there were design flaws that were taken advantage of, which caused the protocol to collapse and lost many people, you know, a collective billions of dollars and um, you know took took the whole industry down for a while and and I think the important thing to take away from Terra is that financial collapses can happen in DeFi too and they can happen in infrastructure protocols with an oracle network being taken advantage of for example um, or protocols that are dependent on these protocols with economic vulnerabilities are at risk because economic security is inherited um, so an example of that would be like if you integrated, there was a, a recent exploit and I'm forgetting the protocol, but it, it, somebody paid like $10 worth of Telor and staked it in order to defraud the protocol that was depending on that Oracle. And they made off with like $6 million or something. Um, so that's an example of an economic exploit. And this concept of economic security is, is important because you might be designing the protocol and, and translating all of those requirements perfectly into the code. Uh, you know, you're not missing any semicolons anywhere, but um, the design itself might have perverse incentives. And so this is, um, you know, the third principle of tokenomics is economic security. And there are trade-offs like we've talked about with between protocol utility and value capture. There are trade-offs between value capture and economic security. And um, 
So in Terra, for example, the there is a price dependency. And so price dependencies are not necessarily bad, but they can compromise the security and integrity of your protocol if you introduce a token in the wrong way in the wrong place in conjunction with other mechanisms. And so Terra was an example of this where the entire protocol was dependent on the Luna price. Um, and it was dependent on the Luna to US dollar price. It, there might have been ways to do it. Uh, Mirror protocol was a synthetic asset protocol like synthetics. If that had been more popular, it would have hedged against, against the um, volatility created by the Luna to USD pair and the protocol might have been fine. So not all price dependencies are bad. There are ways to mitigate it. But this is an example of a trade-off between value capture and economic security. Um, it would be a price dependency, as in Luna. So the um, you know the more the more value that is accrued to the Luna token, the less secure because of the greater the price dependency is um, in the in the protocol. So there's a direct trade-off there. The third point of trade-offs is between principle three and principle one. It's between economic security and protocol utility. So the uh, security of Bitcoin is directly at the cost of the user experience. So we talked about protocol utility as the value that you are providing for users. That uh, trade-off is directly, um, you know, directly affecting the uh, or sorry, the, the security of Bitcoin comes directly from the users because users have to pay fees. The more fees, the more security. The less fees, the less security. All else equal. There's a tail emission and we can talk about all of the implications of um, you know, Bitcoin's security model and the flaws there. But all of those can be boiled down to a trade-off in user experience. The essential, the group of users um, and their experience versus the security of the protocol. Um, so this is a, an example of those trade-offs. So I wanted to give this high level with some examples. And I also mentioned I'd like this to be a discussion. So if you guys have questions, just post those in the comments or raise your hand and come up on stage. Uh, I'd love to discuss some of this stuff. But I want to, I want to get a, a sense of what people are interested in and um, and whether this is making sense so far. And if not, I'll just go into some more examples of different protocols. Not seeing anyone raising their hands for speaking. Getting a, getting a couple of hundred emojis. Cool. Okay. Well, I can keep talking about this. Um, I would, oh, we got one request, two requests. Cool. All right, I'm going to bring us up Brian first, and then I'll bring up Matt. Nate, great overview, really clear, indicating like you're, you're speaking this clearer than anybody I've ever heard. So thank you. Keep going. This is really, this is really good stuff. Man, that's really great feedback. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, really, um, that means a lot. I've been working on this for about six years, and um, this uh, these principles of tokenomics have come in the last two or three. And I started to talk about it at the beginning, um, but I, I wrote an article. Uh, it's on Eat Sleep Crypto. It's called something like 
token engineering, token design, and token architecture in October 2020. And since then, I've been thinking about how to properly engineer value into a token. And um, you know, I'll be talking about this in the next few weeks, but I'm just about ready to release uh, a treatise on what I call price floors. So these are the minimum possible price for a token based on its use in a protocol and um, how to calculate those and how to design them in. Um, so that's, you know, really great feedback. Sounds like, um, sounds like this is landing. Are you, are you basically saying like, dependent upon the money velocity, you can have more emissions and you're able to calculate that? Yeah. Um, so the current, there's three types of tokens uh, or three types of tokenomic mechanisms, and you can model the value of currencies based on which mechanisms they use. And all mechanisms are going to loosely correspond to either an equity, a commodity, or a currency. Each of those have precedents for how to value them in traditional finance, and we can use those um, formulas based on first principles to value the minimum possible price of a token. And I've been doing this for the last couple of years, and uh, there's a handful of tokens that tend to be close to their price floors. Um, so those are really nice in bear markets to be trading in ranges. And um, yeah, so I'll be talking about not just how to use velocity of money and the equation of exchange to calculate the value of currencies, but uh, maybe a bit about how to value equity-like tokens. And you're probably familiar, uh, but traditional finance, you can do a discounted cash flows model. Um, you can couple that and stack that valuation with other mechanisms to create kind of like a composite view of the minimum possible price of a token because it's um, fairly simple to just add those together. You can assume that there will be, um, it, it kind of depends on the mechanism getting ahead of myself, but I will be talking about this in the next few weeks. But yes, velocity of money. Hey, Nate, um, I'm really enjoying this so far. So my question for you is, it seems like you're, we were implying that um, the mirror protocol itself was actually pretty solid if it was built on uh, like a, a legit or like a, a stable coin that didn't blow up like UST. Like if, if UST was actually solid, the mirror protocol actually may have worked out. Is that, is that what you're implying there? Yeah. So anchor protocol, I'll uh, give a background for everybody else. Anchor protocol was a way to get a almost hard-coded uh, percentage of yields. The, the yields were subject to a DAO governance vote, but they were fixing that for a week or two-week time period. Um, but they, you know, in, in that particular case, the DAO wasn't quick enough to react, and there were a handful of other issues that happened. You know, with Terra's designs, Terra's economic security, their system design. But um, yeah, so Mirror Protocol is a synthetic assets protocol, and you could create like an ounce of gold, ounce of silver, barrel of oil kind of thing. So there were commodities that you could create. I think Mirror also had some price feeds for stocks. Um, synthetic doesn't. They're not allowed to because their founder is doxxed and they're already on the CFTC's radar. So they can't create like Apple and Google and Tesla, even though there would be massive demand for people to trade those synthetic commodities or synthetic equities on a blockchain. Um, but if there were 
a protocol like that, you could hedge the, you know, if, if mirror had been popular as popular as uh, anchor, then there, the volatility would have been hedged across those assets into the base currency. Um, this is like the foundation, Matt, you might remember the decentralized Euro thesis. This is like my concept back in 2019 that you could have a variety of countries adopting the same currency and it would form like a Euro basically. And um, it would be like all the third world countries using the same currency. And so the, the volatility that comes from their political instability would be hedged against each other's and would create the most stable currency uh, in the third world. And I did a little model on that for newsletter subscribers. Um, I have that somewhere. But uh, yeah, it, it turned out that it was like, I don't know, one one and a half percent currency volatility like daily or something like that, which is better than any of those countries separately. So I used South Sudan, Venezuela, Iran, and Zimbabwe, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, so you you know, if you have the same underlying asset, it's kind of it's kind of has a similar effect on the volatility of that asset and the price of that asset as um, having a, a a basket of currencies like in an index um, or a basket of commodities in an index. So uh, mirror protocol. Like overall, Terra was a really interesting idea. And I think this is like a very unpopular opinion, but uh, Terra was a good idea. It just wasn't executed well and it became lopsided. And I'm not saying that I think it can work in the future. I'm just saying that is, and you know, the concept of having uh, the FAT protocol thesis in one ecosystem is like a, a very compelling. And uh, eventually, Ethereum might be that, you know, might be that thing. Um, There is actually the very real risk that something similar to what happened in Terra happens in Ethereum with ETH becoming dependent, uh, a dependency and there being an overweighted uh, price dependency on Ethereum for stable coins. The same thing could happen. Um, it's, It's less likely because there's not just one stablecoin protocol, but um, you know the Terra collapse was an example of an emergent problem. It was not necessarily um, because Anchor Protocol, yes, it was like sponsored by Terra, but um, it it was not uh, it, it was not like integral to the protocol. Like Terra could have functioned without Anchor; it wouldn't have gotten as popular. Um, but uh, something similar could happen on Ethereum as well. Um, so I, I went on a bit of a rant there. But to answer your question, um, yeah, you can you can hedge you can hedge the volatility of an asset into an underlying collateral rather than trying to create a basket of those assets to create a stable index. Hey, hey, Nate, I don't know what you work on, but um, I'm going to DM you. I, I I definitely think we can work together on a couple of projects, and uh, I do have to bounce to a call. But I just wanted to say thank you for putting this together, and I'm recording gonna listen to the recording later thank you this is rad well done. awesome yeah it was a pleasure thanks so much brian looking forward to it so anyone else that has questions um matt did that answer your question 
Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, I, I think maybe the big takeaway for me here, and I, I don't want to dominate this space by any means, I, I just real quick, is just like one is the nuance, being able to learn from things like from these experiments and Terra. And there are some red flags in that I think they lied about the adoption of South Korea, of China and everything. But there was like, there were some definite contributions from from this whole Terra experiment and a ton of pain to, to retail at the same time from it. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad you're able to like, <laughs> like piece it apart. Yeah, well, I really appreciate that feedback. And I, again, I, I think um, like Terra overall, terrible execution. Uh, Do Kwan is not in, uh, you know, the kind of person that I think was capable of, of doing that. I'm not sure what kind of person is capable of doing such an innovative but um, challenging and, and demanding protocol. Um, I, I'm, yeah, it, it is a monumental task to do what he tried to do. Um, and they were, you know, defrauding people and he didn't care. And, and so there was, uh, there were a lot of issues, but, um, yeah, I appreciate that feedback. I mean, what I, what I hope to be and, and become with token dynamics and, and, um, you know, mainly token dynamics is a, a sort of decentralized, uh, regulatory agency or auditor, like in, in crypto, we, we've already started to see some of these blue chip L2 beat. Um, there are these, uh, you know, reputable people that are evaluating protocols and, um, and they're, they're alternatives to regulators. Like if we want to have a decentralized financial ecosystem, we need to have something like consumer reports. And so that's what I've been focused on lately, uh, has been a lot of the economic security side of things. If, if you guys are interested our GitHub is Token Dynamics XYZ, and we have a repo on all of the economic exploits. So you can look through the past six years of DeFi and see what has happened before and, and what kind of design flaws have been made that were taken advantage of that were entirely non-technical in their nature. Some of them were even no-code exploits. They were like just really low-hanging fruit for these hackers because their system design flaws rather than um, rather than technical flaws. Um, so I have another request to speak. Pablo, I'm going to bring you up here and um, we'll mention again that intended topic of this space is the tokenomics trilemma and the trade-offs between the three principles of tokenomics. So if you guys have questions about that or want me to clarify, just drop a, a comment on the space or uh, raise your hand, and then I'll I'll make sure to get to you. But Pablo, bring you up here, and um, yeah, ask away. Hey, hey, how you doing? All good. I might have some issues with sound, but uh, generally, I got a quick question. Like um, there are three like features or bugs or uh, anything uh, like how would you qualify uh, impermanent loss, MEV sandwich attacks, and uh, MEV just in time liquidity? So, do you consider it's like a compromise or it's uh, just like economic security flow or uh, it's like not related to this trilemma at all? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I see, I think MEV and, and solutions to MEV are a cope. I think MEV is fundamentally like a, a big failure 
and uh, I'm I am not sure exactly what the solution is, but uh, I think it's created a very large industry of um, not wanting to solve the problem directly. Uh, so I think MEV is uh, a, a design flaw. Uh, it's not, you know, it's it's not good. Like the MEV is good, actually. Like I don't think that meme is uh, based in truth. Um, and then impermanent loss, uh, I think, is another. I wouldn't. That, that's less of an economic security consideration in my book. It's like I, I like the panoptic approach of like Uniswap. Uh, providing liquidity on Uniswap V3 is selling options. That is a, a very good way to look at it um, because it's it's like you're recognizing that uh, you, you may incur some losses, but you're pricing the risk appropriately if you're uh, calculating what range you want to provide liquidity in. Like that's, that is the role of an options underwriter in traditional finance. And so I think it makes much more sense to think of it that way. And I love what Guillaume and um, the rest of the team are doing over at Panoptic, their uh, options protocol in Uniswap v3. Super interesting. Highly recommend you check it out. Um, so those are, those are my thoughts on MEV. Yeah, I, I would categorize MEV as an economic security flaw. I think we might have tweeted about that earlier this week. Okay. And maybe I'll talk about why I think MEV is an, a design flaw. You know, um, so again, economic exploits are, or economic security concerns are uh, you know, non-technical in nature, um, meaning that the code is followed perfectly, but there is still a way for one group of users to take advantage of another group of users. So MEV in this case would be the trade-off between the um, user's experience, so the protocol utility, principle one, and economic security, principle three. Um, and so I will, if you guys go to my profile, you'll see my header has the principles of tokenomics and there's a triangle there and there's a triangle in token dynamics and there's triangles and trilemmas and everything that we're working on because this is how I have been able to conceptualize a lot of things. There are trade-offs between the, the protocol utility, the value capture and the economic security of the protocol. Um, and so MEV would be like the group of users that just wants to use Ethereum. They just want to use it. They don't want to get front run. And another group of users, which are miners, um, who are mercenary users, they're purely there for the yields, uh, are able to take advantage of the initial group of users without any kind of technical exploit. It's just a system design flaw that enables this second group to take advantage of the first to the extent that that group is willing to pay it. So it's they're starting to call it maximal, maximally extractable or maximum extractable value. I think that's a, a good way to put it um, because they will extract as much as they possibly can. Uh, and that trend will continue. Like MEV is not going away. Um, it's, uh, they're, you know, there are people that are, to be honest, much smarter than I am that are working on this. And I try not to even get nerd sniped by MEV because I believe it's, um, it's a Band-Aid. And uh, you know, any solution would be a Band-Aid to a protocol that is um, 
otherwise fundamentally broken. And I don't know if we'll have MEV fixes for the next five or 10 years, unless Ethereum does some things with privacy and, um, you know, bundles transactions automatically and makes them all private and makes it extremely difficult for uh, anyone to just front run by substituting their address or something like that. Again, I haven't, haven't thought too deeply about this. Uh, like most most people in the MEV space have, but um, yeah, I would categorize MEV as a subset of economic security uh, vulnerabilities. Okay, I have like something to add on this one. Basically, there are toxic MEVs like what you're talking about, but there is also good MEV. For example, Backrun, and there are projects that they're doing Backrun transactions to do a cash back on swaps. So, for example, if I swap on Uniswap, I create a TexDex arbitrage opportunity, and there are like RPCs that's doing a cash back uh, by backrunning my transactions. Yeah, but that's taking advantage of someone, right? Like, who's who's paying for that? Basically, it's like uh, no, no, it's just arbitrage that you create by every trade. Every trade creates arbitrage, but you're uh, getting more money back compared to just uh, executing simple swap. Yeah, but it, there's that money is coming from the like either the liquidity providers or you know that what what I'm trying to get at is it's not um, it's not positive sum. So um, economic security is concerned with creating positive sum interactions for all groups of users. But I agree with you that. There is, um, you know, there are some ways to cope with MEV and uh, protocols that are really smart. You know, they're saying MEV aware protocols are uh, solving some of these considerations for users by capturing some of that MEV themselves and distributing it back. So um, I think that's a, it's a nice, you know, a nice temporary approach. Um, Yeah. So I can keep talking about, and Pablo, by the way, thank you for the, those questions and that contribution. Um, I can keep sharing some examples of trade-offs in uh, you know, these principles. And if you guys have questions, just post those in the space or request the mic and, um, and I will pull you up here on stage. Um, so I, the canonical example of the trade-off between utility and value capture that I use that I'm sure most of you guys have heard me rail against is Uniswap. And it's nice, they're in the news right now. Uh, Uniswap is the best example of the trade-off between protocol utility and value capture because they captured zero value initially and provided trillions, facilitated trillions of dollars in, t- in token swaps. Um, so they have created massive value for this ecosystem, and yet they have failed to capture very much of that value at all. And now we're seeing a logical consequence of that, which is they have to capture value outside of the protocol because they didn't capture value in it. So Uniswap Labs is getting the revenues from this these trading fees by inserting um not only, not only are they doing the KYC, AML, going full compliance, but they are um, 
capturing value at the front end and driving users to decentralized front ends like one inch or uh, well, not necessarily decentralized front ends, but protocols that are not using their centralized front end. So one inch is going to become more popular because of this Uniswap fee at the front end. And most importantly, in my mind, uni token holders are not going to uh, see the revenues from these fees. Um, and so this is this is because of this trade-off of utility and value capture. Uniswap optimized for utility, protocol utility, by providing a lot of value and economic security because they don't have any price dependencies. The token doesn't change the protocol. They have a hyperstructure, an immortal protocol. They can't change their uh, the versions after they've been issued. So like V1, V2, V3, V4 will always exist in their current form um, for people to use, but they uh, have not captured any value. So they have the first and third principle of economic security. Protocol utility, uh, or um, first and third principle of tokenomics, protocol utility and economic security. But they're missing value capture and they optimized to build something that was essentially a public good, right? This is uh, something that Nate Suits from the Token Engineering Commons and I'll talk about in the next couple of weeks on one of these spaces. But, um, you know, public goods in my mind are uh, not cap, do not capture value. I think he has a different definition and I would defer to his definition. But I think a lot of people understand public goods as there being no profit opportunity for investors in the protocol. And um, and that includes developers, you know, stakeholders broadly. So that includes developers, that includes VCs, that includes the users who are investing in that protocol. Uniswap uh, issued a token, but did not capture value to that token. So you might be asking, well, what makes the Uniswap token valuable and why, why is it $6? The answer is speculation. People are uninformed. Uh, they think that the Uniswap token might be valuable someday, although I would be willing to bet that confidence is waning. Um, and the venture capital investors in Uniswap uh, don't want to sell because they would tank the entire market. Um, but uh, so Uniswap created this worthless governance token. And um, you know, I'll... I don't know how controversial this is. The idea that governance tokens are worthless because people are not going to want to pay to vote in your protocol. Um, if you're not accruing value to a token, it's not a valuable token. Like people don't, you wouldn't, even if you went to McDonald's every day, you wouldn't pay to change their menu. You probably wouldn't even fill out a little form that said that you want a hamburger with like extra pickles or whatever. It'd be the standard. Um, so, that's uh, you know this this concept of like Uniswap solving for the utility of the protocol, creating a lot of value, and being secure because they're a hyperstructure. They don't have token dependencies, so there's uh, you know there's not a lot of economic exploits or economic vulnerabilities available there. They have solved for two of the principles of tokenomics uh, at the expense of of the second, which is value capture. Um, so the second, I gave you guys the example of Terra being a, a, 
protocol that had um, utility and value capture, but not economic security. So the, the trade-off here comes from this, this idea that the more value you capture, all else equal, um, the more likely you are to have an economic vulnerability. Because the tokenomic mechanisms that capture the most value are, um, are tend to create price dependencies or create um, you know, demand uh, in the protocol that can be taken advantage of. Um, there's a, you know, I'm, I'm not remembering exactly how I want to put this, but I wrote about tokenomic leverage back in 2021 or 2022. There's an article on Eat Sleep Crypto. You can check that out. It measures the amount of value that is flowing through a protocol proportional to the amount of value that that protocol is creating. And if your tokenomic leverage is above one, then that's a fairly good sign that you have a price dependency in your protocol. And it's important to check for economic security vulnerabilities. Um, so I mentioned Terra is an example of a protocol that solved for the first two principles of tokenomics at the exclusion of the third. So protocol utility, Terra is creating a lot of value by having a large ecosystem or was creating a lot of value by having a large ecosystem of complex products that you could use like mirror protocol, like Anchor, like some of the other things that you were able to do in Terra that were basically copycats of the Ethereum ecosystem. And um, it had value capture because it was using Luna for everything. Uh, that was the idea of Terra was like, what if we used the same coin for all of our things and then just made a ton of money because all of those things get used and the token is just a catch-all for the value. It's a, it's a, you know, a catch-all for the value capture and the value accrual. All the value in the ecosystem is accrued to one coin. That uh, creates a lot of token price dependencies. And I mentioned that these are not necessarily bad, but the way that it happened in Terra was dangerous and led to the collapse. So um, this is a, an example of a protocol that solved for the first two and not the third principle. A protocol that has um, economic security and value capture, but little utility, um, would be like a, I would say like a small cap utility token. So um, I mentioned protocol utility is the value that you're creating for users. The, um, it, that can be measured. The, the total addressable market of your protocol is like the market size, the, the, uh, the size, the quantifiable size of the um, amount users are willing to pay or like the size of the problem that you're solving. So it stands to reason if you're solving a small problem, um, then you're not creating like a, a you're not creating a lot of value for a lot of users. And um, so in in this sense, the uh, one way to have value capture and economic security would be to be uh, used as a you know a medium of exchange in a niche protocol that's for like verifiable computing on a blockchain uh, for like DSI uh, data or something like that, or having, having like very narrow qualities. Cause there's um, 
there, there's a specific protocol that I have in mind that I won't name, but it is used for uh, verifiable compute and um, uh, which is like deterministic and empirically provable on chain. Um, but this, the, the target market for this is like scientists that need to have the most rigorous vetted studies that are also willing to pay like 10 times the amount to have this be executed in a trustless environment. And so while there might be a couple billion dollars a year in demand for those kinds of things, um, there is not a very large, that is not a very large target market. And if you're only capturing a fraction of that, then um, you know, there's not going to be a lot of value capture either. So like value capture, the second principle builds on the first to protocol utility. And the more protocol utility you have, the more value capture as a, um, you know, not as a percentage, but as a, uh, you know, fixed number or a, you know, a, a um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but more value capture you're able to get. So we have another request here, monologuing for a bit, but Octopus is coming up. And if any of you other guys have questions, I see there's one comment I'm going to check right now. Um, but just post those underneath the uh, space. We are coming up on close to the time that I've allotted for this. And if you guys have any more questions, just drop them underneath the um, underneath the space here on Twitter or send me a DM if we don't get to it. Yeah, Octopus, go for it. Uh, I would echo the earlier comments about the clarity and the quality of the information given. So I really appreciate the effort you put into this and the transparency you publicize it with. My question is, I, I heard you say a couple of times about different, <clears throat> about uh, Terra specifically, that maybe it could have worked under different circumstances. Are there any design structures that you would point to and say, like, that's been tried and it failed and it's hopeless. This was so lacking in one of these areas that it should not be tried again. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's a great question. Like, are there any things in crypto that don't work or like that just will not work? Is that is that uh, basically your question? Yeah, basically. I mean, you, you have a very vast knowledge of failures. And uh, I'm wondering if there are any kind of object lessons where you can look at a structure and say, this is just this has no economic security and it's never going to work. Or, or yeah. something yeah, great, great question. Um, so I would say undiversified endogenous collateral. Um, so like anytime you see a stable coin, it, it was hilarious. We just had one of these this week. Um, I think it was USDR or USDM or something like that. It, it, they used their own token to collateralize their protocol. They also had real world assets, which I'll get to in a sec. But um, like they got exploited for... The, the smallest economic security exploit I think I've ever seen. It was like 200,000 or something that completely tanked the protocol um, because they, like people are quick to realize that this architecture is not safe for a stable coin. Uh, Blue Chip put out a report. Bluechip.org is a really great resource on stable coins. Uh, I think they do great work 
and um, they have a rating system for stable coins. And they they mentioned, you know, hey, had this come on our radar, like it was a very small cap stable. But if we had seen this, we would have said this gets an F immediately because of their use of endogenous collateral. So they used their own governance token to collateralize their um, their reserves. And that is an instant red flag. Um, I, there's, you know, and I say, I said undiversified because if there were, uh, you know, let's say that governance token is also used in a lot of other ways, that would be diversifying the use of the token, similar to this, uh, decentralized Euro concept I mentioned earlier, where you can have an emergent, emergent stability in one asset because it's used in many places. Um, you know, the other, the inverse of that sort of is like an index where an index is getting its value from uh, many assets. This would be one asset being used for many things. Both of those can give you financial stability in a protocol. And so it's not that it, use of exogenous collateral is necessarily bad, but undiversified use of exogenous collateral in a stablecoin protocol is very dangerous. Um, I will probably, if you guys are going to be in Istanbul, I'm slated to speak about this at Unstable Summit and um, would be happy to elaborate more in the back channels if you guys are interested. Uh, that would help me flesh out my talk as well. Um, second, second red flag that I see in crypto is the emphasis on a virtuous cycle of some sort. Um, I tried to communicate this a while ago with like a graphic of arrows that are you know, like uh, like arrows that are in a circle that indicate <clears throat> that kind of virtuous cycle. I said, if you see this in someone's pitch deck, run. Because when people are emphasizing that their protocol depends on a virtuous cycle, you have to ask, what happens if one of these things changes? If one of the, you know, what happens if the arrow reverses? And um, that is that was the case for Terra. Um, there have been other protocols that have depended on virtuous cycles that are smaller, but in general, when people say the more X, the more Y, the more Z, the more X, like that is a circular de recursive dependency and, um, is a, is a, an immediate red flag, um, because it shows that you know, they're, they're completely dependent on that cycle continuing, um, and growth is not growth is not infinite. So um, that would be a second red flag. And then in terms of a concrete um, a concrete thing, another protocol that just won't work. I mentioned real world assets. Um, I, I think there are ways for things like real world assets to work, but they won't be fungible. Um, you can't you can't bridge the Oracle problem in a in a well, I won't say can't. I actually think it's possible to make stuff like that work, but it requires very complex crypto economic schemes and secure oracles. And uh, there are a lot of edge cases with the ways that RWAs are trying to be, people are trying to implement RWAs right now. Um, so that would be like one thing that I'm like, yep, that's just not going to work. Like RWAs and DeFi, this cycle is not going to work. Um, because people are not like they're, they're not thinking about it in the right way. Um, there will probably be a handful of collapses like there was with this stable coin that I mentioned. 
um, which was also half backed by RWAs. Uh, and the final thing that I'll say is like, you know, maybe an answer it comes to a lot of people's minds that people try every time um, is uh, is token curated registries, TCRs. Uh, I actually think TCRs can work unironically um, and uh, that they just have to be implemented in the correct way for a, a niche. And also there is some elements of diversification um, similar to the stablecoin idea that uh, have to be incorporated to TCRs, token curated registries. So uh, those are all the things that come to mind when you ask about what definitely won't work. That's really, that's really uh, helpful. Thank you for the answer. Thank you for the question. Yeah, we have um, one more request. Yusuf, I'm going to pull you up on stage here, and then we will close this space out. How you doing, man? Hey, Yusuf, you're up on stage now. Hey, go for it. Um, GM, GM taking the name. Yeah, my, uh, my, okay, first of all, I would like to maybe ask a question on the recent topic you raised, that's the RWA. So my thinking is, I don't know, maybe perhaps someday you will have to find maybe a, a session for to host and where we can discuss that extensively because it's something I was actually interested in. But then sometimes I, I, do, I do tend to think about the possibilities of it working and then the possibility of it not working because, um, yeah, you know, the hype of it, of RWA in, in terms of, let's say, more of what we're looking at more as a security token, looking at real estate and then maybe perhaps someday we'll actually discuss on that. Um, then um, the other one is I want to just maybe if you can just check out the, the project. I don't know it's a protocol. Um, I think it's on, it's on Polygon um, blockchain. It's more of like I want to just maybe if you can analyze the way uh, because there is not actually I don't think there's actually a utility attached to, to, to that coin. It's called um, NWT, NWNT. What it does basically it's um, it's more like a protocol that has routers and then maybe like um. So each each router serves as a as a micro node, where where there are clients that connect to the host. So the, the so like just just where we use our normal internet. So they get to use as they keep on using the internet, they keep on mining that token. So the host, it, it depending on the number of clients that connect to that host, which is uh, like routers in different places, and like um every individual can can own a router, and then. He, he he gets paid or he gets it a token or he gets yeah yeah paid in that token or like he yeah he gets rewarded with the tokens. But then the issue I where I see is that because that token is not been most times anybody that gets rewarded tend to just sell it off. So it's there is no really any should I say any transfer or any transfer of flow of the of that um token. So that's why I, I so I'm just thinking of is there any way um. Okay, me, to me, I thought of working okay, maybe perhaps let's assume in, there is let, let's say a platform whereby people can actually use that token to actually like do an an e-commerce whereby okay, like I buy more of a, like an exchange that will actually like keep the value a little bit um stable kind of than just because most times when it's mined it's just sold out and maybe maybe like swapped with maybe like ETH or maybe or USDT so that would that like there's always Okay, though, though they have this taking and um, this taking, they have this taking also and this taking and um, platform, but you have to stake before you can actually even own the, the router. But then I don't think that's enough to actually keep the value of that token. So I don't know, maybe if it's something that we should, maybe like, you can I just maybe give an idea of how it goes. Thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, great. That's a great question. Um, I think there are a lot of protocols, and they they primarily think about um, these protocol. Many protocols think about their token as a way to incentivize a certain behavior, and they forget to think about what makes the token valuable and what makes users actually want that token. So they're thinking about, um, you know, we want we want users to do, uh, you know, something. We want users to post on our on our social media app, or we want users to um, like host our network of with a micro node, right? But they're not thinking about like, what is the, like, why do they want to do that thing? And if they're motivated purely because of the token, like some users just want to volunteer and help um, or some, you know, GameFi gamers just want to play fun games. Um, so they're not, users are not necessarily always financially motivated. This is another mistake that protocols make is assuming that you can pay people and uh, have their incentives, you know, align in that way. But, but many users are not interested in the financial returns of a protocol. Some are interested in what the protocol provides them. So for example, in the NIM network, uh, another network of nodes, users are using a mixnet because they want privacy giving away tokens to random yield farmers or giving away tokens to try to incentivize users of a network that is providing a fundamentally very valuable service that can only be done on a blockchain is um is misguided because you you're you're mistaking the incentives of those users uh similarly when you're trying to pay users to use your token or to use your chain, you have to consider um, what their incentives are to use that token or to hold that token. And um, if there's no reason that they need to hold that token, then the token price is going to go to zero. It's going to go fall. It's going to go towards zero because no token price ever goes to zero. It's, uh, you know, very rare, but uh, token prices will approach zero and there's no there's no no end to the number of decimals at the end of a 99.999% drop. It just keeps going lower. So you can, can always go lower um, unless there is a price floor, right? Unless there is a reason that the users are going to buy the token. The best use, the best reason is going to be if the token is required to use your protocol. So you're aligning the the desires of users to use whatever the services your protocol provides, the protocol utility, and you're causing them to purchase the token, which is going to accrue value to the token. That's principle two. And you're doing all of this in a way that is aligned. So there is economic security because all of the groups of users in your protocol have aligned interests that you've looked at the system design holistically and said, here is how every user benefits from this system in ways that don't hurt the interests of other users. That, that vetting of your protocol's system design is the economic security of the system. So uh, to answer your question in short, before we wrap it up here, the, the way I would go about that, yes, staking is not a sufficient demand driver. That's just a way to reduce supply. And if the token is just used to get more of itself, and that is a, a circular dependency there, 
not quite the same as the circular dependency in Terra, but um, similar. You know, Terra just had that with extra steps. So I would I would reorient the network so that it uses the token, and then ask what are the users' motivations and map those to uh, their behavior in the protocol, rather than just assuming that everybody wants to be rewarded with tokens. You know, if everybody's just there for yields, you don't have a valuable product. Your token, your protocol has no utility. And so it's failed the first principle of tokenomics. But it sounds like this is a fundamentally interesting, valuable network. And I have some concerns about the potentially trusted hardware or like um, the Oracle concerns of the elements of, you know, there may be like real world data that needs to be on chain. That's a consideration. Um, but overall, I would say the network needs to focus on the token and, uh, you know, it needs to focus on how to accrue value to that token based on what its users actually want based on their incentives. So I hope that was, uh, you know, sufficient explanation for you. And, um, I appreciate your question. Appreciate everybody who came out today to listen to me talk about these trade-offs. And, uh, if you have any more questions, just send me a message and tune in next week. I'll be talking about more of these types of things. Might be talking about price floors. Mentioned that earlier and, um, you know, teased that article a bit. So stay tuned and uh, looking forward to talking with all of you and seeing you next week. Thanks so much, everybody. Catch you later. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets, dead ends, dragging out the max amount of payments. Down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these token knocks. They probing this bear, flexing broken knives. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting knives. And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over the impossible loss, it's all moss. And I'm liking the odds. Fond doing the morning, forming mycological bonds. Click the cap, yo, the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle Leets, tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management
Orange Mitty grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beast And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs We got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king You better have some of each Motherfuckers Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the verbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape him under the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served